The title of the message today is a Christmas recap, and I just want to share four components of a Christ-filled Christmas. Four components of a Christ-filled Christmas. The first is this, it's hope. Everybody wants hope. I need it. You need it. We all want it. But what is hope? Hope, um, maybe for the holidays, I, I want to have hope in the midst of the holidays. First service, I had a lady that came forward. Her husband passed away uh, not too many weeks ago. And she told me, she says, I, I just don't, you know, I feel hopeless right now. And if you've been down that road before where you've lost a loved one and you went into the holiday season, there's a void there. There's an empty spot at the table and you desire uh, and you have a craving for hope. But I don't want, I don't only want hope for the holiday. I want hope every day. Every day of my life, you and I, if we're believers in the Lord, we experience a living hope. I want hope in my marriage. I want hope in my career. I, I want hope for the future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you what? A future, a future and a hope. The hope that we have in the Lord is something that we strive for. It's not something that's handed to us that we look at and we experience right away. It's something that we have to trust that God's going to honor his word. This Thursday uh, this, of this week, I did, a, I did a wedding over in Altamont Springs. Uh, who gets married on a Thursday evening of Christmas week? Well, the people that I did the wedding for. And, and, you know, like every wedding that I do, I normally talk about three things you need. You need faith, you need hope, you need love. Faith in the Lord, hope for the future. What, what is the future look like? And how do you have hope in it? Well, if, if God says, I know the plans that I have for you, the question is, how does he know the plans? It's because he wrote them out. He, he specifically ordained his plans for your life and for my life. And so hope is trusting that his plans are going to be revealed in due time. You know, as a minister, and I'm not, I'm not about to, what I'm about to share with you is not for you to feel sorry for me, okay? But as a minister, holidays like Christmas are extra busy in that as many people have Christmas traditions, our, our, our staff have to kind of change our family traditions because we quote unquote, some people don't consider what we do work, but that's okay. Um, we work on a holiday. So today we're here all day. Matter of fact, um, I got a deep amount of love and respect for the people running cameras, uh, for the people in the, in the tech booth, for the praise team. They're here all day long today. Um, as, as many are out and about with family and participating in last-minute responsibilities, they have committed to be here to serve the Lord uh, today. And, you know, that, that makes, me, um, makes me feel good to know that I'm a part of a team like that. And we fed everybody Olive Garden today just because of that. Um, don't worry, I had a peppermint afterwards, so I'm good, all right? But I tell you that because many people's Christmas Eve traditions for us... We have to be creative. And so in our family, we do a, <laughs> we, we have a tradition that on, we have a, a day called Christmas Adam. That's before Eve. 
you know, the garden, Adam and Eve, y'all remember that story, the talking serpent. And so, so we can't do anything really on Christmas Eve as a family, so we do something as a family the day before on Christmas Adam. And this year, because we had other responsibilities, even on Christmas Adam, we incorporated another one, which is Christmas Adam Eve, and that's two days prior. So we're just making it all up as we go. You know, we eat pizza and have salad, and Jamie's parents come over, and uh, we get in the 12-passenger van, and we ride around, and we get ice cream, and we look at Christmas lights like many of you do, just the same, and we have a good old time. And, uh, you know, we went to, I'm a big, I love Culver's, okay? I'm so grateful that Culver's came to Mount Dora. I'm a turtle Sunday guy all the way, but I want you to know, Dairy Queen is my roots, y'all. Don't leave your first love. And so we went to Dairy Queen, and we got a blizzard, and we, we cruised around town. We drove through uh, downtown Mount Dora, and we were on Donnelly, right there where the lights are on your left, and, and there's the, the pickleball courts and the shuffleboard and all that, and, and then there's a little bench, and right next to the bench is this fountain. 22 years ago, uh, I took a, a young lady named J Jamie Lois Hutchison out to Dairy Queen for a blizzard, and I said, hey, order whatever you want. She got a blizzard, and I got a blizzard, and we drove to downtown Mount Dora. We got out. We strolled around the park. Uh, I, I, I had, we sat down next to the fountain. We were at this bench, and I leaned over, and I said, hey, how's that blizzard? And she says, it's sweet, but not as, you, not as, not as much as you. And uh, I'm making this up as I go, just so you know. She was leaving the next day, and I said, hey, can I pray for you? I wanted to pray. She was about to go on, um, away to this women's conference. While I'm praying, I slid off of the bench smoothly, I might add. I got down on one knee, which I am confident at that time she was extremely scared. What's about to happen? And after I uh, prayed, I asked her, would she marry me? And she said yes. But I just want to ponder this thought. What if that night, before she said yes, God would have said, Jamie, hold up, for I know the plans I have for you, so before you say yes to this guy, let me forewarn you, one day if you marry him, you'll be driving a 12-passenger van. <laughs> you're going to be called into the ministry, you're going to have some amazing days, but you're going to have some days of tragedy and heartache too. Are you willing to commit do you have hope that, that my plans are good for you? And so hope is not knowing everything that's going to happen. Hope is trusting in the Lord who holds the future ahead of us and understanding that his plans are the greatest thing for us. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. The second part of Advent was peace. That uh, you and I, if we want God's peace, we need to experience the Prince of Peace by knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, it says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you. I think I want peace just as much as I want hope in my life. And peace isn't something that only comes in a, in a tranquil setting. 
it, for those of you that walked into the event center today and, and Sharon was out there playing the harp, and somebody said, isn't this so peaceful? And I'm like, yeah, but this is like right around nap time right now, so we got to pump up the volume. It is. It's peaceful. It's almost like being, you know, in, in the mountains, in a cabin, and you're drinking a cup of coffee on the back porch. There is a sense of peace about it. But this peace that you and I can receive from knowing the Lord is a peace that will take you places in life, that will guide you through good days and in bad days. And it's not contingent upon the circumstance that you're in. How do we navigate through receiving God's peace? Well, we need to praise Him in all we do. This scripture said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, I, I think, um, I used to sing a song um, uh, about praising the Lord. It said, we're singing praises, we're singing praises, we're singing praises unto J-E-S-U-S, our Savior. I mean, I learned how to spell by that song right there. Understanding that praising the Lord is when you're on the mountain, and praising the Lord is even when you're in the valley. And when you learn to do that, in both of those time frames in your life, there is a sense of peace that comes from the Lord. And we need to seek Him. Bringing our cares and our burdens and our concerns unto the Lord, as the Bible says, cast all your cares on Him. Why? Because He cares for us. But even in that, the Scripture says, we need to be thankful too. We need to give thanks with thanksgiving, the Scripture says. And so for you and me to experience the peace that comes from knowing the person of Jesus Christ, let it be that you praise him in those moments. Let it be that you seek him. Let it be that you thank him. You know, part of the ministry that I love the most is hospital visitation. I just, I don't know what it is. I just love going to the hospital. Number one, it's biblical. Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus said that, uh, that you know, I was, I was sick and you came to me. Uh, number two, another reason why I love hospital visitation is because church members say and do some crazy stuff when they're highly medicated. And I'm like, hey, say that one more time. One more time. One more time for the camera. <clears throat> uh, number three, there's something powerful about knowing that an individual, it doesn't have to be a minister, it doesn't have to be me, is standing next to your bedside before you enter into surgery while you're going through an illness and they're literally taking your name before heaven and praying for you. I've had many of you say, Pastor, I was about to have surgery. My doctor came in and said, hey, before we perform this surgery, I want to pray with you. And I'm thinking, sign me up to be a part of that doctor's team. You know, if I ever have to go under the knife, I want that individual. I was doing a visit in Waterman a number of years ago, and this guy uh, that I was talking to, the surgeon came in, and uh, he says, Doc, uh, I just want to ask you a question. He says, uh, are you a religious man? And the doctor said, no, sir, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I'm not religious at all. But don't worry, you are in really good hands with me as your surgeon. And this man said this, well, Doc, with all due respect, uh, long before you ever walked in the door today, I was in the greatest hands that I ever could have been in, and that's the Lord. He knew, my peace is not in you, Doc. My peace is not in your degree and your experience. Uh, my peace comes from the Lord going before me and ordaining that moment. When I was in high school at Eustis, my senior year, lost a friend, uh, went to bed on a Friday night, 
and never woke up. No joke, not making this story up. Tragic time in my life. First time I ever had a friend that passed away, um, somebody close to me. And I remember going over to his mom and dad's house. My parents were with me. I had known him since we were kids. You know, spent the night at their house many, many times. And uh, they probably don't remember this, but I can tell you now, even though I was only 17 then, I remember exactly what was said. A family came in in the midst of this tragic moment where this, this family has lost something so precious uh, as their, their own son. And this is what they said to this couple. They said, how are you making it through right now? And this is the statement that the mom and dad said, God's peace is carrying us through. In a time that you and I, on the outside looking in, could say, how in the world are you, how are you even standing? How do you even have your head up right now? How are you not losing your mind? It's the peace that surpasses all understanding, and you can have that through knowing Jesus. Number three, uh, we talked about joy. James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Here's, here's what I want you to know. If you've got Jesus, you've got joy. When you and I receive Christ into our life, we receive his joy uh, within us. But we've got to choose to use that joy. We've got to make a decision to activate that joy in our lives and apply it. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself. You've heard that before. If you've been raised in church, some preachers probably crammed that one down your throat before. J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. I did a revival a number of years ago, and before we went out, I was going to go out and preach. And we were at a church that, I, I'll just tell you, I grew up in a church that was kind of like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Not really a loud crowd. Uh, they weren't really into hand-raising that much. Good people, love the Lord. But then there are other churches, maybe a, a little bit more Pentecostal. Anybody here grow up in one of those? Anybody by a show of hands? Okay, good. See, Pentecostal people love raising their hand. You just say it, hey, let, they'll throw it up. And here's the thing, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I embrace it 100%. Well, that night they said, hey, Pastor, before we go out, we were in a little side classroom. They said, would you lead us in a word of prayer? And so I started to pray. Well, while I'm praying, the minister kept talking the whole time. The whole, the whole time I prayed, he kept saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'm like, am I praying or are you praying? <laughs> and I got to thinking later on in my life, you know what? If that was a statement that all of us had embedded into our mind and into our heart, that on the greatest days of our lives, all we can remember is Jesus, 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 Jesus. And in the worst days of our life, when we are in the pit of the valley, all we can remember is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus has to be first if you're going to experience joy. Others need to be second. The Lord said, love the Lord your God, and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we have an opportunity to receive God's joy as we give. This week, our church had a privilege of partnering with a children's home down in Tampa, uh, a ministry that's been around for many, many years, and they're doing something super unique right now. The Lord is very clear to his people, as the Lord said, that it's the responsibility of his disciples in the church to care for widows and orphans. It's biblical. We're called to do it. And, and we even have a ministry of our church, a thrift store called Orphans Rock, and that, the establishment of that thrift store was to bring money in 
to pour back out into ministries and other organizations that are ministering to people of this nature, children that are without a mom and, her, uh, mom and dad. So we found out that this uh, children's home was doing a program where they're trying to partner with families that are considering abortion. And, and maybe a woman in an unplanned pregnancy that is saying, I, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, there's no way I can financially raise this child. This, this ministry is saying to that lady, man, this is what we want to do. We want to give your child a home. If you choose to give birth to this child, we're going to invite them in. We're going to give them a home. We're going to give them house parents. Uh, we're going to give them an education. We're going to provide food and clothing and all the resources that they need. But our desire, if you agree with us, is that we reunify that child back to you when you feel that you are ready to receive that child and you're at a place. Don't let finances be the sole decision on if you're going to give life or not. And so this week, our church had the privilege of giving that uh, ministry $50,000 to help go towards what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you, Pastor James sent me a picture uh, of the check. There's something, there's something powerful. Uh, uh, there's something joyful about being able to give to others and know that you're impacting the lives of other people. But then you know what? Jesus, others, yourself. I don't need the world to give me joy. Why? Because Jesus has given it to me. People always ask, hey, Pastor Brooks, I mean, what does it really mean to live a life full of joy? Here's the thing. Tomorrow, some of you, your kids are going to open up a present, and, and you're going to see the smile on their face, and you're going to say, look at the joy on their face. Can I just tell you, can I correct you? It's not joy. It's happiness. Because I'm going to tell you real quick, when those batteries go dead, there ain't no joy anymore. <laughs> they get tired of that toy, they're going to kick that one to the curb. That's called happiness. It can come and it can go. Joy is steady. Joy is with you all the time. You know, if you invited me, y'all know I like Bass Pro Shops. If you said, hey, Pastor Brooks, we're going to let you stay one night. You and your family, y'all can stay, sleep in a Bass Pro Shops. It's closed down just for you. I'm going to tell you something real quick. That's going to make me happy. But there's going to be a sad part of it too. Why? I'm going to have to leave the next day. Now, if you said, I'm going to let you live in a Bass Pro Shops, and we're going to move First Baptist Church of Umatilla and all their worship services, and now we get to baptize in the tank with the largemouth bass, that's joy right there, people. That's joy that never goes away. I'll do a cannonball on that bad boy. No joke, after the first service, this guy came up to me, good old boy, serious as he could be. He goes, Pastor Brooks, you let me know when y'all start that church at Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, he's going to be sitting on the front row. Joy is not something that comes and goes. Joy is something that we live with. Why? Because Christ has given it to us. And lastly, love. Last week we talked about love, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. God's love was revealed to this world through the person of Jesus Christ. God gave of himself and allowed himself, Christ, to come and dwell amongst us as the Bible says. And what's the Lord told us about love? 
uh, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Secondly, secondly, love your neighbor. I, I don't know who your neighbor is. I don't know if they're a good one or a bad one. I don't know if their dog poops in your yard or, or maybe your dog poops in their yard. I don't know. But when the Bible says love your neighbor, it's not just talking about the address next to you. Everywhere that we go, no matter where we are, if it's the grocery store, the ball field, picking up the kids from the school, everyone is our neighbor, and we're called to love our neighbor. And then the Lord says, love your enemies. What was he thinking? I mean, come on, God, that's a tough one. Now, y'all know I'm an Alabama fan, okay? No judgment here. Don't pass judgment on me. I'm an Alabama fan. You can, when you get to heaven, you can blame my dad, all right? But I just wanted, I want to make a statement today, and I'm sure there's somebody here in this room. Anybody here an Auburn fan? Just by a show of hands, just real quick. Got to be at least one in here, all right? Auburn? Okay, good. I want you to know, Auburn, listen to me. I love you. I love you. I hope you lose every game, but I love you. <laughs> My love for you isn't based upon a logo that you have on your shirt. My love for you isn't based upon a team that you root for. When the Lord says that we are supposed to love the world, we love them through the love of the Lord. And so we look deeper than who we cheer for. We look at the heart of an individual. And so for you and for me, how do we love this wicked world? How can we, and, 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 I'm, and I'm just maybe talking real talk for a second. This world is nasty. It is mean. It is hateful. It is immoral. How do we love the world? The Bible says we love because he first loved us. And so we've got to tap into God's love so that we know how to truly love the world around us. Hope, peace, joy, and love. I want all of them. I want all of them in my life on a regular basis. The only way I can do that is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, there is a void in my life. I don't have the joy of the Lord in my life. There's no hope in my life. Pastor, if I'm being honest with you, I don't have peace in my life. Let me challenge you, even as we've had people this, uh, today, this, or earlier this morning, that have given their life to Jesus Christ, that have prayed to say, this is the day, Christmas Eve 2023, I'm giving my life to the Lord. Maybe that's you. Maybe to tonight's service, you know, this afternoon, maybe it's not just a family tradition. Maybe it's a moment in, in time that God ordained before the creation of the world for you to do business with God and for you to receive all that he has to offer. Would you pray with me?